you being here, you are in for a treat today as we do something a little different. We've never done this before. This is a pilot episode, a pilot journey. We're calling it three for 30. Three speakers, one message, 10 minutes apiece, equaling 30 minutes. One message from three speakers, equaling 30 minutes, and here's the deal. Once they hit 10 minutes, if they go over 10 minutes in one second, even if they're talking about something so important, they get the horn. Now you say, well, pastor, why don't you get the horn? Because we know you don't get... When you become the lead pastor, you can horn me too. Until then, I got the horn, everybody. And so we're gonna do this today. We're going to have, again, like one message. And here's why we're doing this. We have so many great communicators, not only on our staff, but in our church. And they wanna hone that, that level of communication. And we just don't have enough Sundays to go around. And so this last year, or beginning of the year, I said, you know what, I wanna give us a way uh, to uh, give a little exposure to our whole church of uh, leaders, not only on our staff, but in our, in our congregation uh, that are honing that gift of communication. Warren Buffett said, you actually uh, can more than quadruple your earning potential if you can just build your ability to be a good communicator. Now that's Warren Buffett. How much more important is it is that we're communicating the message of Jesus? And that's what we're gonna do today. Now, like I said, at 10 minutes, they're gonna get the horn. We're gonna get three of them today. We're gonna jump right in. Your worship guide is there in your hand. If it's not, get it ready. Get the Timber Creek app out. If you don't have a worship guide, you can take notes. One message, three speakers, 10 minutes a piece or less. I wanna jump in by introducing to you our expansion pastor who's overseeing launching of new locations and also all of our outreach pieces, local and global missional opportunities from partnerships, local and globally. Come on, help me welcome, who's been here for six years, started the Nacogdoches campus. Give it up for Pastor Dan Chanowski. So first service, like I, I'm, I'm all in the message and, and he blows that horn. I, I thought I had all kinds of time left, so I've gotta jump right in and get started. Over 400 people, everybody, that gave their life to Jesus and made a decision. I, you're not responding the way we really should. 400 people. The Spirit of God moves on their heart. They recognize that they're in need of a Savior. Jesus comes in by his grace and his mercy and changes their life. 400 people that are ready to make a decision and start moving forward and taking, as we talk about at Timber Creek Church, next steps. Taking next steps. It's so important, those 400 people. Like if you made a decision and you came back today and you're like, there's a first, first time in a long time or for the first time, we wanna encourage you, don't stop there. In fact, this whole message today is designed exactly for you because we've gone through it in our own lives. It's, it's trusting the process. Look at your neighbor and say, trust the process. It's, it's all about us sticking into the process. Here's the good news, Philippians chapter one, verse six, Paul says it this way, I am certain, and another translation says, I'm confident of this, that God who began the good work, listen, let's not get it twisted, it wasn't you that decided all of a sudden that you wanted to get things right before God, it was the Spirit of God in you that started convicting you of your life and where you were at, and saying you need to take steps towards me, like, it's the Spirit of God moving in your heart. So he says, I began the good work, and Paul says, I'm confident of this, that God who started it will bring it to completion. 
He's the one who started in your life and he's gonna bring it to completion. So he's, his part is all about forming Christ-like character, conduct, and conviction in our lives, and he can do it. Our part is just stick in the process. Just like stay in the lane, like keep on the track. Don't take steps off the track. Anybody else, you, you started the race good, but something happened in life and you stepped off the track. Like you started good and, and like an, it was another Easter service and I, I engaged and I gave everything and then man, life just happened and I, all of a sudden I find myself halfway through the year and I'm, I'm not where I wanna be. Like we're, we're, we're a part of that, that happens in our lives and I just wanna encourage you today to remain in the process, trust the process. But let's be honest, there's obstacles, there's challenges, there's, there's mountains, there's valleys, there's opposition, there's even enemies that come against us. When we're trying to engage into the process, as God's trying to form Christ-like character, conduct, and conviction in us, there's enemies that come against us. Now, sometimes we get in our own way, amen? Like we, we, we get into our own way and we make those decisions that like derail us, but sometimes there's just enemies in the process. And today, uh, we're gonna give you three of those enemies. There's just three of them uh, that we're gonna talk about today. We wanna identify those three enemies. And the first enemy, you can write it down in your notes, is the enemy of pain. Anybody, have, have you, you've ever been through a painful process? Been through a painful season? Sitting in the room today, you're going through a little, bit of, a little bit of pain. Aren't you thankful that God meets us in our pain? Aren't you thankful that we don't, like we don't have to suffer alone? Like he meets us in our pain. I, I started following Jesus in 1997. As a junior in high school, I got saved. God delivered me from drugs, alcohol, a life that was just totally uh, running in the opposite direction of God, and he radically saved me, like moved me from one spot to the other, almost transported me into another place, and there are things in my life that I don't even remember how God ended that thing in my life. It just happened. It was such a miraculous thing. But I can tell you, over these years, there's been some painful things that have happened, and we just went through one of the most painful seasons in our life. If you'll allow me, I just wanna share a couple of things about it. Monday, May 10th, 2021, I woke up early in the morning to a phone call. My wife was calling me from Springfield, Missouri, and she'd gone to be with her mom, who just a, sh a few short months earlier, three to four months before that, had been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, the same type of cancer that my dad, my dad passed away from just a few years prior. She had been healthy her entire life, never gone to the doctor, like, and she just had a pain, that, that, a discomfort, and she went into the doctor just, you know, maybe it's acid reflux, uh, maybe it's just age going through some stuff, and he says, no, you've got, a, you've got a, a tumor in the head of your pancreas, it's inoperable, we're gonna give you about three to four months to live. Shocked. And, and within about three or four months, she was gone. My wife had gone to be with her on Mother's Day and, and was there, and, and early that morning she calls me and she says, hey, mom's gone on to be with the Lord. And we had prayed and we had trusted and we had fasted and we had quoted scripture and we had spent time in the prayer room and we had believed God, we'd done everything we knew to do, and yet it was still God's desire and his plan to take her to be with heaven. I don't understand it all. I don't get it, and maybe you can relate. And so she told me that she had gone and uh, been, she's, she's with the Lord now. And so I snuck into our, our daughter's room early in the morning and, and pulled the girls together and just said, hey, grandma's gone on to be with the Lord. And we had a time of prayer and 
and wept for a little bit together and got ready for school and, and went on about our day. How many of you guys know the pain? Like, it's inconvenient. You just got to go on with the day when I want to just crawl in a hole. So the day goes on and school and work and later that afternoon I pull into my driveway and, and as I'm pulling into the driveway, I, I get out of the car and my phone rings and it's my older sister, Sarah, and she's calling and she's hysterical on the phone. And I said, Sarah, are you okay? What's happened? Did, uh, did, were you in an accident? Or, uh, is my niece and nephew, are they okay? And she says, you won't believe this. I just got home and our mom is gone. She had a heart attack today. So in the same day, both of our moms had gone and there and like, and I'm standing in my driveway looking at my phone thinking, is this real? Are you, are you kidding me? And it was like in that moment, I had a decision to make. Does this, is this pain gonna derail me or is it gonna propel me? Am I, am I gonna take this pain and, and let it sit inside of me and totally disrupt my life or am I gonna say with honesty, God, I don't know how you're gonna use this, but I know that you want to. God, what is going on in my life? And I just want to tell you today, listen, pain can either be a friend or a foe in your life. How do I know if pain is a foe in my life? Number one, I allow it to stall me. You may be in this position today, and I've been tempted multiple times in my life to be stalled by the pain. Like, like pain has a way of just making time just stop. And I've been stalled at moments and, and, it, and, it's, and I gotta move on from this and I just can't seem to get moving on from this and I don't know how to and, and I'm grief stricken. Uh, pain can also be a foe in my life when I give it permission to define me. And I say things like I'm broken, I'm abused, I'm neglected, I'm abandoned, I'm lonely, I'm overlooked, I'm screwed up, I'm messed up, I'm just a sinner, I'm always gonna be this way. And God says, no, you don't have to allow your pain to define you. Let me define you. It's a, it's a suffering, it's a pain that you've got to go through in life, but it doesn't have to define you. But you know what? Pain can also be a friend in your life. Are you kidding me, Pastor Dan? How can pain be a friend in my life? You see, I think sometimes we think that this Christian life, this following Jesus is gonna be a, a time without suffering, without pain, and, and that's just not the case. In fact, when you read the scriptures, Paul actually invites suffering into his life because he says, if I can suffer like Jesus, it actually, it, it actually invites to me to, to relate more to my Savior in my suffering. And we learn things in our suffering and our pain, and pain can become a friend to us. Number one, if I see it as an indicator, like a light on the dashboard, like, you know, when the, when the check engine light comes on and you just ignore it, like, I don't know what it means. Like, it literally is like, check your engine, and you're like, hmm? how long has that light been on? I don't know, two years? <laughs> That's... That's probably not good. Or, or the, uh, the, tire, the tire gauge comes on or the oil pressure. Listen, those, those lights are there on purpose. They're a reason. And I think pain can be an indicator in our life to say, listen, whoa, 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 slow down. Stop, stop. Take a minute. Reevaluate. What are the decisions that you're making? Why are you in the circumstances that you're in? It's a, it's a, it's a friend to us when it becomes an indicator in our life. First Peter 4 says, since Jesus went through everything you're going through, Aren't you glad? Learn to think like him. Think of your suffering or your pain as a weaning from the old sinful habit of always expecting to get your own way. 
So where am I putting my faith? Am I trusting Jesus with everything? Have I become too comfortable or reliant upon my own strength? Is there anything I need to surrender, repent of, confess of, or release in my life? Pain is a friend when I allow it to be an indicator to me. Just stop and listen. Okay, God, you got my attention. Pain is also a friend when it serves to be a reminder Oh, Revelation 21, 4 says, he will wipe away all of our tears from our eyes and there shall be no more death. There shall be no sorrow, no crying, nor pain. And all that is gone forever. Pain reminds me that this world is not my home. I'm just passing through everybody. My home and my treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. Let's go. He said, I got it that time. He had like four points left, uh, first service. Awesome job, Pastor Dan. So powerful, so powerful and poignant all at the same time. Next up in our three for 30, our newest uh, addition to the staff, uh, who was actually here years ago, back uh, before we remodeled the, the kids' center or built the kids' center. Uh, they're the new campus pastors of Nacogdoches. Will you give it up for Pastor Marco Johnson? Awesome. Trust the process. Uh, Pastor Dan, I think we can all relate to pain and how that can be an enemy to the process of reaching our God-given potential that he wants us to reach. Um, as Pastor Jeremy mentioned, my name is Marco Johnson, the campus pastor at our awesome, amazing Nacogdoches campus. I see you, I love you, I miss you, and I'll see you next Sunday. I want to recap a little bit of our scripture in Philippians 1.6. It says, and I am certain that God who began the good work within you. Here's what we have to understand today. God has began a good work in you and me, and we have to commit. We've gotta to commit to the process that God has for us, because when we commit to it, we say yes to it, God will fulfill the promises that he has for our life and through our life. Here's what we have to understand. Our goal, here's, as we walk with the Lord, here's what our goal should be right here. We get to the end of 2023 or we get to the end of each year. We look at the end of that year and we go, you know what? I may not be where I wanna be, but thank God I'm not where I used to be. That is the goal, in the process, committed to the process. Again, Pastor Dan mentioned the first enemy of the process. It can be pain, gosh, pain. The second enemy that I wanna give you of the process can be the enemy of pride. Anybody in here deal with pride? Anybody in here show of hands? If you didn't raise your hand, you deal with pride. So we all deal with pride in here, okay? If we're honest, we all deal with a little bit of pride. But the question is, man, what in the world is pride? Well, I'm gonna kind of simplify it for you. There's many definitions of it, many facets to it. You can look and go, okay, well, this is pride, this is pride, this is pride. But here's a quick definition of what pride is. If y'all can go ahead and pull that up. Pride is excessive focus on self. It's excessive focus on me, myself, and I. Um, I don't know if anybody in here ever, has ever been to Chuck E. Cheese before. Anybody in here been to Chuck E. Cheese? Okay. How many of y'all went to Chuck E. Cheese before it was Chuck E. Cheese and it was called Showbiz Pizza? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I just took y'all back. I see one. Like, oh, yeah, 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 I remember that. And all the crazy commercials that scared the mess out of me and gave me nightmares. Yeah, I remember that one, too. But anyways, Chuck E. Cheese, our pride is a lot like a game at Chuck E. Cheese called Whack-A-Mole. 
Um, you know, you get your kiddos ready, you get them in there, they're so excited. Who wants to go to Chuck E. Cheese? Daddy, Daddy, I do, I do, go to Chuck E. Cheese. I got a two and a five-year-old, they run in there, they get their card, they start swiping cards on the games. I'm like, first of all, why are we teaching you at such a young age to start swiping cards like that? That's another story and another message for another time. But anyways, we're in Chuck E. Cheese swiping cards and we get to the game called Whack-A-Mole. And man, they swipe it, they hit the start button and they're like, Daddy, check this out, this is gonna be amazing. And the, pole, the, the poles, yeah, I guess they could. The moles start popping their heads up, the gophers start popping their heads up and they got these little mallets and they're just like, bam! Daddy, I'm good, huh? Yeah, 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 you're great. Bam, 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 bam. And that's a lot how pride is in our life. It just kind of pops itself up over here, pops itself up over there, pops itself up here. And we have to become good at the pride whack-a-mole game of knocking those things down, knocking that pride down when it pops up in our life. A little bit about myself. I gave my heart to Jesus. I made Jesus the center of my life when I was 20 years old. And about two months after I gave my heart to the Lord, I was talking to my youth pastor, and he goes, hey man, you need to go to this Bible school. So I end up going to this Bible school, and, and I'm showing up to Bible school on fire for Jesus. Like anybody in a foot, 50 foot radius of me, I was like grabbing by the collar and saying, yo, look, you need to hear about Jesus Christ, and I'm about to tell you what he's done in my life. I mean, I was on fire for Jesus, and I show up to Bible school, and I'm like, I'm ready to preach, baby. Like, I got something to say. And so we're in Bible school and, and we're learning, we're growing, we're developing our skills. And, and um, there was this thing in Bible school called Sidewalk Sunday School. And Sidewalk Sunday School is whenever we would take these box vans into the community and apartment complexes and we would park these vans, we would drop the side of the van down, we'd set up these speakers and put out chairs and we would just go knocking door to door in the community inviting people to come and hear about Jesus. And so if you got invited to go to Sidewalk Sunday School, I mean, it was like you had arrived. It's like you're looking at your buddies like, yeah, what's up, I'm going to Sidewalk Sunday School, you know? And so we're sitting around one day and our pastor comes in and he's giving us our, our assignments for Bible school, and, and uh, he looks at one of my buddies, and he goes, hey, you're going to go preach at Sidewalk Sunday School. And then he looks at another one of my buddies, and he goes, hey, you're going to go preach at Sidewalk Sunday School. And then he looks at me, and he goes, hey, Marco, you on bathroom duty. Wait, say what? Like, yo, I came to preach. What in the world? I didn't come to scrub toilets. And so here I am. That day, my friends are out doing what I thought I should be doing. And here I am with my Ajax and my scrub brush, kneeled before a toilet. And in that moment, God said, Marco, I can't trust you with being a leader in my church until I can trust you serving in my church anywhere I want you to. And in that moment, God began the process of dealing with my pride, showing my, me my pride, and getting that enemy out of my life. So what is the opposite of pride? Let's talk about that for a second. The opposite of pride is something that's very dear to the heart of God. In fact, when we posture ourselves before the Lord this way, it actually draws the presence of God to us. The opposite of pride is humility. It's humility. Humility is the freedom. Everyone say freedom. 
When we humble ourselves before the Lord, there's actually a freedom. When we walk in humility, there is a freedom that we think pride is gonna give us. You know, I'm strong, I'm tough, I'm gonna be a little arrogant here. No, 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 that's actually bondage. But whenever we humble ourselves and we have an open approach with people and we humble ourselves before the Lord, that's where true freedom comes. Humility is the freedom from excessive focus on self. Humility is the freedom from having to be right all the time. Listen to me, humility. By the way, I'm preaching to myself just as much as I'm preaching to you today. <laughs> so, so if you don't get anything out of it, I'm, I'm, I'm like going, man, this is good. Yeah, I need to do this, you know, as I'm preaching. But anyways, humility is really focused on what's right, not who's right. You ever been in a relationship and it's like you kind of go in de defensively, like shoulder first, like, oh, I'm about to get them. But humility says, no, no, no. It's not about who's right, it's about what's right in this moment. Humility is the freedom from listening, uh, no, not free, no. Humility is the freedom to listen instead of posturing yourself with an answer before the other person had a chance to finish what they're saying. Humility is the freedom from being defensive when your ideas, perspective, or work is challenged. Anybody in Knack, y'all deal with that? Anybody in Groves, y'all deal with that? Yeah. I think we all do at times. Humility is the freedom from everything having to be a competition. Now, don't misunderstand me. There is a space and a place to be competitive. But man, we have to understand that sometimes relationship is more important than competition. The person standing in front of us is more important than actually competing with them. Humility is the freedom from having to prove your qualifications. Man, Marco, I tell you what, boy, I don't know who you think you are, but I've been in this church for 20 years. Well, first of all, like, dude, I'm sorry. I, I said something that maybe offended you a little bit. You may have been in this church for 20 years, but you're still mean. We take next steps at Timber Creek Church. Your next step, quit being mean. Smile, be nice. Jesus loves me. I love Jesus. I love you too. Very good. <laughs> Humility is the freedom. Man. Humility is the freedom to live your life unseen, arms wide open, and unguarded with every person that you meet. Just like Jesus Christ has done with you and me. Unguarded arms wide open, no matter what you've done, you can come. No matter what you, I forgive you. Hey, we can be in a relationship. Here's what the Bible says about pride and humility. James 4, 6, it says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace. Everyone say grace, grace. to the humble. When we live humbly, did you know this? We, we have one enemy. His name is Satan. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy our life. But, we, but if we live with excessive focus on self, when we have the mentality of, yo, I showed up to preach, who am I to be scrubbing toilets? When we have that mentality, the Bible says that we actually have two enemies. Satan opposes us, and then what? God opposes us. And he stiff arms us. He gives us a little highs and says, uh-uh, not today. I don't know about you, but I don't need two enemies. One's enough. Especially the almighty God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. I want him on my side. That's why it's important that we walk in humility. So how do I defeat pride? The way that we defeat pride is to understand. <laughs> ah, man. 
I was just getting to the good part. Anyways. <laughs> we'll give it to you. We'll give it to you. <laughs> You'll have to come back next week to hear the answer to that. Oh, four-week challenge. A few years ago, I stood on this stage and got to watch uh, a couple reunite that had gone through a divorce, and he reproposed. And this has been, if you have power couples, there's been a power couple that God has done so much work, and not in a pride, proud way, but in a humble, spirit-led, spirit-filled way. And not coming from reproposing, growing in Christ, becoming a minister, now our Lufkin campus pastor. Bat and clean up, give it up for Pastor Justin Lindsay. I don't know if I can live up to that intro. Uh, so we're talking about, you know, the enemy of process, and, and I love the transparency of our pastors and our leaders. I, I said this first service, uh, the transparency of Pastor Jeremy, there's, we probably know a little bit more about him than we really want to. Uh, but, but, you know, just how God took pain in Dan's, Pastor Dan's life and, and brought purpose to it, and how he's taken pride in Pastor Marco's life and has raised up a true servant. And in the third process, or the third enemy of our process today, I wanna to talk about the enemy of, of our past. Does anybody in here have a past that, that, that may be just a little muddy, you know? And so I wanna talk about the enemy of our past today. You know, they're basically what Pastor Dan and Marco were doing. We're painting a picture of Philippians 1 and 6. See, God started something in, Pan, uh, in, in Dan and Marco that he wanted to see finish. You know, God started something in me a long time ago and, and he wanted to see it finished just like God started something in each and every one of you in here today and he wants to see it finished. But I want to uh, share just a little bit about of a time in my life when uh, Philippians 1 and 6 was true, but I didn't know that it applied to me. I really didn't know that, that there was any good work left in me. I, I didn't even know that God had a plan for me anymore. In 2016, I was 35 years old and in one hand, I had everything the world told me was good. Everything said, hey, if, if you have um, this, then you have joy. If you have enough of this, you'll, you'll find peace. If you have enough of this, you'll truly find the meaning of life. And it was, and it was I had the job, you know, the, 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 the income. I had uh, the lake house. I had a fleet of boats. I had independency. Like Pastor Jeremy said, I was divorced from a wife, and so I really didn't have someone trying to tell me what to do during that season, and I really thought, I was like, man, I got this made. I can do what I want to do and come as I want to come, and, 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 and you know, I thought that that's what really uh, was the key to life. But really, in the right hand, what I really had was confusion, chaos, pain, hurt, lack of peace. And what I did, because the world said this was so good, I, I kept trying to take what I had in my left hand and put it together with what's in my right hand to overcome this, but really what it did was it produced more pain and it produced more chaos and confusion, and I just, I just eat it up. And so my life became more broken and it became more empty. And so out of that story, I wanna give you three things. Number one, the first thing I wanna give you is your yesterday, my yesterday, does not disqualify you. My yesterday does not disqualify you. Our yesterday does not disqualify you. Second Corinthians 5 and 17 says, if you belong to Jesus, 
then there is new life. It says the old has passed away. See, because I'm a son to the living God, this morning when I woke up, I, I got to step into a whole new life, a whole new beginning. The things of my yesterday, they don't have to be part of me. And, and as I was praying over this message this morning, God said, he suggested there's some things of your yesterday that I don't want you to have to carry with you anymore. Is there some things of your yesterday that you said, I'm tired of carrying that weight? Man, it's weighing me down. And God says, I offer you a new life. All we have to do is step into it. So this morning, when I woke up beside my beautiful wife that God restored our marriage in, guess what? I got to step into a new beginning for me. The second thing I wanna leave you, leave you with today is that God wants to use my past as a platform. God wants to use your past as a platform. And there is a beautiful story in the book of Acts of this man that we know so well named Paul. But in the book of Acts in chapter nine, it's the first time we actually see or hear about Paul and his name is Saul. And if you look at verse one in Acts nine, Paul's doing something there that's kind of uncharacteristic of the Paul that we really know. And it says that he is eagerly and he's exciting and he's talking about killing Christians. Has, did anybody wake up today or the past you know, couple of weeks and said, you know what, I'm excited about killing, the, killing my neighbor today? Don't y'all answer that, I know some of you guys in here. I don't need anybody, nobody incriminated today. But that's what Paul's doing. He's, he, is, he is on a mission to kill God's children. And he thinks what he's doing is right. He thinks he's on the right path. He actually thinks he's serving God in this. But if you scroll through Acts, the Acts chapter 9, and you get to this beautiful verse in verse 15, something happens. And it says, the Lord said... When the Lord says something in your life, you can hang your hat on it. When the Bible says the Lord says, pay attention because God's trying to tell us something. In Acts 15, he says, in verse 15, he says, the Lord said, and he looks. And so he says, hey, that one there, he said, that one's my chosen instrument. That's my chosen instrument. See, God saw past Paul's past. He saw what Paul was supposed to be. In 2016, God saw what Justin was supposed to be, not who I was. He, 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 wasn't, he wasn't looking into what I had done and the damage and the carnage that I created. He just said, that one there, I have a plan for him if he's willing to walk in it. And that's exactly what he's saying to Paul here. Right? Because God saw who Paul should have been. He was saw in that moment, but then... In between verse 1 and verse 15, something happens. Paul has an encounter with Jesus. Don't you know it just takes one real encounter with God to truly change your life? One encounter. And in that moment on the road to Damascus, I can see Jesus talking to Paul. And he's like, whoa, whoa, who are you? What are you doing? What, 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 what's going on here? And he said, hey, hey, son, hey, hang on, hang on. Just trust me. I've got something for you. See, what Jesus did was he took Paul's past 
He took his, his tenacity and his hustle and his desire and his wisdom and knowledge and he turned him into the greatest apostle we'll ever study. He knew that, that, that Paul was gonna write majority of the New Testament. He knew that Paul would go from trying to kill Christians to giving his life for Christianity. That's what God saw in Paul. And he saw the same thing in me in 2016. And he sees the same thing in each and every one of you in here today. I wanna to go back to the story that I started with. And the last thing I wanna leave you with is this statement, and it's get off the porch. You're like, what scripture is that in? <laughs> That's in Third Chronicles, no. Get off the porch. See, the statement get off the porch really means and carries weight with me. And the reason why that statement means something with me is because who I used to be, the man I used to be, I wasn't always this fun, lovable teddy bear you see up here today. I, I, was, I was mean. And I had just soon fight you than have a conversation with you. And that's what I would say to people. Is I'd, and when I got to that point, I'd just say, hey, son, just get off the porch. We can do this right now. And so I'm gonna set the scene. I'm, I'm, I'm at my house on a porch. It's about 2.30 in the morning. I am high as a kite. I've been up for almost four days. I am drunk out of my mind, and I'm physically laying on a porch looking up. I don't care about life at this point. I don't care if tomorrow comes or not because I've lost all value. Matter of fact, I really got to a place that I really didn't want tomorrow to come. And I remember laying on that porch, and, and I didn't cry out to God in that moment. I yelled out to God. And I stood up on that porch and I said, God, wh what do you want? Like, what do you want from me? I remember hitting my chest saying, God, what do you want from me? I love that we can be real with God. We got a God so big, he wants to meet you exactly where you're at and you can be real with him. And in that moment, I was as raw as I could ever be. And I said, God, what do you want? And the most graceful, soothing, yet authoritative, powerful voice spoke to me. He said, I just want you to trust me. And I remember standing up on that porch. And this scene will never leave me, thank God. I had done beating all the banisters off the porch. And I tried to refix them that next week. I'm sure that lady's porch just fell in by now because I'm a terrible carpenter. But... But I'm standing on this porch that I had done destroyed. And he said, son, just get off the porch. And I physically walked off of that porch that night or that morning. And by this time, it's about 2.45 or 3 o'clock in the morning. I remember raising my hands up. And I said, okay, big boy. I wasn't reverend to him. I said, all right, big boy. I've done it my way for 35 years. I tell you what, God, I'll give you one year to do what you say you can do. One year. I've done it my way for 35 years and I'm ready to eat a bullet because I don't care if I live or die. I'm gonna give you one year, God, and see what you can do. And what I was doing and I didn't even know it is I was saying, God, I'm gonna trust the process for a year with you. I'm gonna trust the process for one year. So awesome. The lesson I'm learning is keep them, keep them wanting more. And you guys, 
I could listen to each one of those more and more. Uh, this was the first time I was hearing it was this morning uh, as they were preparing this and uh, I got to sit in first service and hear it fresh um, and took copious notes, always take notes. I, let me tell you, I, I take notes everywhere I go. Uh, any, if there's a luncheon and somebody's speaking, I take notes. I take notes in every single funeral I attend. I'm not playing Candy Crush, I promise you. If I've attended your grandmother's funeral, I'm taking notes. I think every pastor that speaks at a funeral has got something to say. And I wanna take notes. I wanna consume those calories and I wanna learn from them. But I don't just take notes just to have notes. Like, let's apply them. And so actually, as I'm sitting there, I came up with number four for you. So number four, it's not in your notes, but write it down. Here's the fourth enemy. Here's the fourth enemy. I don't have any notes for it, I'll just call it this. The enemy of procrastination. So you got pain and you got pride and you got your past. The Apostle Paul in the book of Thessalonians says, warn those who are idle. Not I-D-O-L, I-D-L-E. Warn those who are just in neutral. Procrastination. I'm gonna get to it. I am gonna get off the porch, but first I gotta experience a couple more things. I am gonna give him my pain, but some more people gotta know just how bad I've been screwed over in this life. Sometimes I'm gonna nurse that past and rehearse it because like people need to know and it's almost, that's become your testimony is just how bad your past has been. Friends, you got a, you got a stronger testimony than that. You got a testimony of a God of yesterday, today and tomorrow. Justin, you mentioned get off the porch. In the book of Acts, chapter five, we find that the uh, apostles had gathered together and they were celebrating one another. It had been 15 years since Jesus had re resurrected and they were on Solomon's porch. But do you know what they had to do? They had to get off the porch because they weren't supposed to just stay in Jerusalem. They were supposed to go into Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. And it took them 15 years to actually do it and start the journeys. They were procrastinating. Oh, had they kept procrastinating, we wouldn't be where we are today, friends. But somebody like a Saul, who then, as Paul, didn't procrastinate, he got onto the port of Joppa and went into his missionary journeys. Next week, we will launch into When in Rome, the fifth book that Paul writes to the, book, to the church at Rome, the Christians at Rome. It's an important book, The Constitution of Christianity. We'll unpack that. Don't procrastinate on showing up. Don't procrastinate on applying. So the enemy of procrastination, let me give you this. Here's what I do when I hear a message. I use this little acronym. I use this little acrostic, ACT, A-C-T, okay? And when I take notes, when I go back to it, because you should go back to it this week, A-C-T, and I'll write an A next to something that I can apply. Is there something I need to be applying that I'm not applying? What could I apply? And that's a growth plan for me, A. So in these notes, find the application. Where do I need to apply something? C is, is there an area I need to change? Is there an area I need to change? You just write a C somewhere. The T, talk it out, talk it out. It's powerful that you would choose one of these pain, pride, your past, your procrastination, and talk about it with somebody. 
What's been your enemy? You can talk about, I don't really have an audience to talk to. If you've got a spouse, if you've got a mirror, (laughs) if you got kids, even at lunch today, hey, we heard in, in church that enemies of our pain and our past, has there been any pain you've ever experienced? Anything you regret in your past? Is there anything about your pride, like that you, you're, you're first, you're focused on self? You can talk about that with your kids. Talk it out and then apply that and see God do a change in your life. Would you stand at all locations? Let me pray over you. Nacogdoches, I'm gonna hand it over to you at the end of this prayer. I invite you at all of our locations, just put your hands on your heart and let's apply this. Father, you've got a better story than our past. Lord, may those of us that are looking in the rear view of yesterday, may we see tomorrow with you. Those of us that are still nursing and rehearsing the pain, may we reverse it by making it a platform for our lives. Lord, thank you that you have given us the opportunity to humble ourselves and you will lift us up. So today we choose to fight against that pride and humble ourselves. And we're not gonna wait till tomorrow. We're not gonna wait till after lunch. We're not gonna wait till tonight. We're going to choose today, right here, today, right now. No more procrastination. It's time to take next steps, get off the porch and start being and doing and following who I'm supposed to follow, who I'm supposed to become, doing what I'm supposed to do. And we ask it all in the mighty name of Jesus and everybody at all locations said amen.